Good morning, everyone. Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Boy, Girl Scouting builds leadership ability. I just had Jill Butterfield tell me what she's not going to talk about today on the Mary Griffith Show. Usually I don't let my guests boss me around like that, but because it's Jill Butterfield, I feel that I have to obey her every whim. Golly gee. Cindy Bilsick, is she this bossy all the time? She is, but she's wonderful. (laughs) Well, guess what, folks? Today's the day the Girl Scout cookie sales start. In Illinois, they'll uh, start two weeks from today in Missouri and Iowa. And, of course, you're listening to the Mary Griffith Show, brought to you by Refreshment Services, Pepsi and Harvest Ridge Coffee. And I can't think of anything better to dunk in my Harvest Ridge Coffee than a wonderful Girl Scout cookie. So we are joined today by Jill Butterfield. Jill, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do with Girl Scouts, please. Hello, thanks for having us on today. So I am the membership engagement coordinator for seven counties here in Illinois. I travel to schools and um, have events for girls to come and sign up for Girl Scouts. I form new troops, and then I'm the support person for all of the leaders as they need help through their journey of being a leader. And um, it is cookie season, and so then I kind of switch gears and... We work at the warehouse and load up cars with cookies. <laughs> you start the fall, the late summer and early fall, recruiting all the girl yes. members, and now you're out with a little sales force yes. that has been uh, acquired. Cindy Bilsick, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do for Girl Scouts, please. So I am currently one of the two directors of membership for our council. Um, my position, I um manage the Quincy, Springfield, and Peoria areas in the for the membership department. So I help train our new staff and support them with all things membership. Um, I started as a leader here, right here in Quincy at Adams Elementary School for my daughter, Lucy, and volunteered for Girl Scouts for several years, was a Girl Scout when I was little, um, and then through my volunteering just started working for the council and have now been with my um, in the council for nearly eight years. Wow. And I, of course, full disclosure, come out of a professional Girl Scouting background, too. I started, of course, as a volunteer, and believe it or not, my very first volunteer job with Girl Scouts was cookie chairman for 16 counties in northeast Missouri. That's a job. And I am proud to say in three years, I doubled the sale. Wow. With the help of my little minion workforce out there. Um, And then, of course, I became a Girl Scout professional. But uh, I also was a Girl Scout leader. Um, And that was also a great joy. Having never had children of my own, I did enjoy my relationships with the girls in my troop because it gave me an insight into what you know, little seven-year-olds think, little eight-year-olds think, and uh, then, of course, later what little teenagers think. Uh Uh, I had many chances to travel with Girl Scouting, uh, and somebody said one time to me, why didn't you go on the Girl Scout trip to Switzerland to our chalet? And I said, when I go to Switzerland, I'm not going with 16-year-olds. I'm going with grown-ups. And I, be- I finally made it. I finally made it. I should have I gone when I was younger. I, you know. But the Girl Scouting has so many great opportunities. And since the people listening now, are, their ears are perked up because of Girl Scout cookies. We'll get to that. But there's also a lot of adults out there who might have some free time on their hand and maybe don't have children of their own, or maybe they've got grandkids, or maybe there's just some neighborhood kids. Um Part of what you do and part of what the Girl Scout Cookie Sale supports 
uh, in addition to all the girls' activities, it does support the training resources for the adults, too. And that's really critically mm-hmm. important. Um, Cindy, Jill, talk about that. I mean, you don't just say, hi, who wants to be a Girl Scout leader, and then throw them out there to the wolves. Right. I mean, no. it takes <laughs> a lot of support. It does. Because very few people... Oh, me, me, pick me. And then you have to have a runoff election at Adam's school over who's going to be the brownie leader that year. I that was yeah. the problem. So a lot of women uh, are a little bit, they have trepidation. They don't know, well, what am I getting myself into? But you have the resources, the training, and the support to support them all the way. We sure do. Um, one of all of our membership engagement coordinators, like Jill's position, um, once you um, get someone to say yes, that they, are, they want to be a leader, then we um, onboard them with what we call a basic leader training. Um, and we go through step by step, and then we're with the leaders Um, every step of the way. We help them get their first meeting planned. We help them secure where they're going to meet. There are a lot of things up in the air. Um, And then you said about women, but men can be Girl Scout leaders too, and I just wanted to say that. So we have some um, husband and wife teams who do it. We have um, some church groups who lead a Girl Scout troop. So it's open for anyone, and you definitely don't have to have a girl – in the troop to be able to be a volunteer. Anyone anyone over 18 um, can do that. And we do do background checks also sure. uh, for the safety because that's, of course, number one. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I tell you what, the other moms really loved me because, you know, they were willing to help as long as I was the leader. They, yes. were, they were like, oh, good. If Miss Pinky will be the leader, we'll help. We'll help. I'll, you know, I'll come to a meeting. I'll, you know, I'll help. It is hard to get that leader. And, you know, what's interesting is, Ironically, you're a group that builds leadership, and some of the women that I've known throughout my entire life now, since I was a Girl Scout, and then as a young adult being a Girl Scout volunteer and a Girl Scout leader, and then as a medium adult, (laughs) (laughs) I have seen women grow in leadership in the Girl Scout organization in ways that they would not have possible maybe in their job Mm -hmm. or in their church. Uh, Something about it just clicks, and the next thing you know, they're training other people. They're showing their skills. They're asserting themselves in ways uh, that they probably wouldn't have thought possible until they got in an all-women, all-inclusive girl organization that really says, hey, girls can do it. That's mm-hmm. one of my favorite things. I mean, I love seeing the girls when they've accomplished something and their eyes light up, whether it's, you know, they've never been camping without mom before. But when I a leader says, yes, I'll do it, but they're really shy. And by the end of that first year, she's a totally different woman mm-hmm. because it's not as hard as some people think. It is not. <laughs> you have a book, first of all, yeah, that yeah. tells you how to earn every badge. <laughs> yes. So you just kind of, I mean, I'll tell you, most people are pretty selfish, and that's okay. That whatever their daughter is interested in is the first three badges they're going to earn. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. yeah. There's oh, no I'm, rule. As to I don't know anything start. about cooking. Why am I going to do the cooking badge? You know, give me, give me time, you know. Uh, I love it. I, my favorite, I used to be a horseback riding instructor at Girl Scout Camp, and my favorite was, how many have ridden a horse? And they'd raise their hands. I said, how many have ridden a horse without a stick attached going around in a circle? That's a different kind of riding a horse because mm-hmm. you're not going to be on a stick when I put you up there. You know? Once we leave the corral, you on your own. So, uh, but there's just a lot of things in getting um, getting confidence in young girls. But hey, enough of this leadership. Let's talk about cookies. That's what they're here for. Um, 
do you have anything new this year, or is it's it's all the stuff that was back all the classics, all, all the classics. classics. Let's talk about the classics. Let's start with the shortbread. This was first made literally by Girl Scouts. It was a promotion, I think, in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. They needed to show how ovens work because ovens were kind of newfangled, <laughs> and uh, Girl Scouts were kind of newfangled too. So yeah. uh, you know, I don't know Macy's or whatever or Gimbel's got these Girl Scouts to come down and. See how easy it is even a child can make cookies in our brand new oven. And that's when the first Girl Scout cookie was born, and that was a shortbread cookie. And you keep that up with the name shortbread or trefoils, and the mm-hmm. trefoil is the symbol yes. of, of the Girl Scouts. So you can go really old school with the trefoils, and mm-hmm. who doesn't love those? I mean, yes. that's your traditional. With a cup of coffee, yeah. they are the best. Mm-hmm. That's your traditional Girl Scout cookie. And then the most popular by far, I think, is Thin Mint. Yes. And, uh, you know, some people don't like mint, and that's okay, you know, more for me. Um, but, you know, Thin Mint would probably be your bestseller pretty yes. much nationwide. Yes. There may be some variations yes. on a theme. What what are the big bestsellers here in this area? Do you track that? We do track it. Um, we have a whole uh, product sales team um, for our council who does track it, and then nationwide they track it. So, of course, like you said, Thin Mint's number one. Um, our close number two is the Caramel Delight. Uh, some others, there's Samoas, I believe, with right, the other baker. A- um, but the Caramel Delight is quite popular. And then I think it's Peanut Butter Patty. Um, and then Adventurefuls have gotten to be pretty popular, too. Yeah, let's talk about Adventurefuls, because the name doesn't describe it, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. The name describes Girl Scouting. <laughs> uh, full of adventure. These are indulgent, brownie-inspired cookies, so it's like a, a brookie, with a caramel-flavored cream in the middle mm-hmm. and sea salt on top and a stripe of brownie fudge. Yum. Yeah. Yes. So it looks a little bit like a Buckeye, but not really, you know. But I guess if you had to describe it as such, Mm -hmm. uh, you'd say that because it's basically a brownie cookie with this caramel cream in the middle and then just that hint of sea salt. Yeah, just a little sprinkle. Tastes so, so good. We just had an event in Quincy last week at the girls that came got to vote on their favorite cookie, and that one won. By a landslide. Yeah. And so it just goes to show people's tastes will change yeah. over time. Uh, there are nine varieties of cookies. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is your test to see if you're qualified to become the president of GSUSA. Can you name all nine? Who should we do, Jill, or should we do... Let's do Jill. Oh, do Jill. <laughs> okay. Cindy is... I'll oh. help. I'll help. I'll help. You'll help if needed. Adventureful, toast, mint... Peanut butter patty, peanut butter sandwich, lemonades, caramel chocolate chip. Did I get them? Shortbread. Shortbread. The trefoil. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I guess I didn't get them. You were it's very hard. close. It's hard. It's because a lot. So it's many. so many, and then you it start is. thinking about how delicious they are, and it's hard to go. I up. was going down the line of how they are lined up in my garage for all my Girl <laughs> yeah. Scouts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's the other thing. They come in different packaging. Back in the olden days. Everything came in a uniform box, you know, and then they one year they made something long and skinny and red. I think it was the peanut butter patties. It's like, you are screwing up. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice for packing them in a in a trunk of a car, though. It's nice to have a skinny box. Yeah. Every once in a while, you know. Yeah. Um, And so there are there are nine varieties. The bottom line is. Each box of cookies has the same wonderful ingredient, which is helping girls. 
Exactly. So uh, if you like the French toast-inspired toast, yay, uh, you can have that. It's got like an icing. It's, you know, icing in the middle. You've got uh, some of them. Don't you have one that's shortbread with chocolate on it? That was discontinued? That was discontinued. Mm-hmm. It was quite popular. I did like that I know. one. Absolutely. And then you've got all your old standards and your old favorites. But like you said, around here locally, Thin Mints and Samoas are what they call caramel delights. are probably your top two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again... One has coconut, which I don't like coconut, but I love Samoas, so I'm I don't get way. what that is all about. There's not enough coconut. You put enough chocolate on something, and anything tastes good. But try the Adventurefuls, and try the lemon lemonades, and try okay. some of the other ones. Now, the price has gone up this year. We don't want to dwell on that. But cocoa prices are through the roof, so if anybody's been out buying just chocolate, they know that cookies are going to be a little bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I always tell people, you know, when I talk about Girl Scouting, and they say, oh, cookies are too expensive I say well here's how I look at it when I bought cookies when I was a person buying a cookie I felt like I was giving the girl a contribution for her troop and she was giving me a box of cookies as a thank you exactly in other words am I holding up a box of Thin Mints and saying there is six dollars worth of food value in this box there is not six dollars worth of food value in this box folks it's a fundraiser. Yes. They can't pay $6 for the cookies. <laughs> they can't give you $6 worth of cookies or they won't make any money for their troop. And let's talk about how important this cookie sale is because all the money stays locally. None goes to New York or, no. or, or right. Albuquerque or no. Chicago. No. All you know, we all have a fight with Chicago down here in downstate. <laughs> so you can, if you buy cookies locally... St. Louis, Kansas City, Chicago, they're not getting this no, money. No, they're out of it. They're out <laughs> of it. This is our local money. And let's kind of break it down just generally. What do what do the troops get out of the box of cookies? So the girls, um, so this is their main fundraiser for the year. So the money that the troops earn from their cookie sale, um, they use that to fund all of their troop activities for the year. It could be their badges. It could be programs. It could be going to Girl Scout camp. It can be um, funding their many community service projects that they do that benefit everybody locally. Um, It could be paying for their membership for next year. Um, It could be so many things. Um, And like you said, everything is local here for the girls. Um, So the the girls also earn some individual incentives. Um, They can earn a free membership if they sell 250 boxes of cookies. So they get that pride in knowing that um, they're doing something that, that benefits them and that benefits their troop and their community. And it's nice, you know, you talk about leaders. It's nice when the leaders have this pool of money then and they say mm-hmm. we want to go to the Quincy Children's Museum or we want to do a beautification in South Park and buy some day lilies or whatever yeah. or we want to learn about water conservation we want to go down to Quincy Bay and work with the Army Corps of Engineers you know there's so many while you're doing your badges there's so many different activities to do but sometimes the supplies and materials can mm-hmm. cost something and this is what troops decide mm-hmm. the thing i love about it is the girls decide what to do with the money yes they will go out and sell to reach a goal mm-hmm. yes. you know they'll say i need to sell x number of boxes to go to girl scout summer camp and they'll they'll do it oh yeah because not only is this a fundraiser it's also their business 
so they get to learn all of those benefits of financial literacy that go everything that goes along with running your own business. They are learning those things as young as five years old. So be patient when they're handing you back the change. Make yeah. sure that they yeah. count it out right and be very, you know, be, be respectful. Uh, some of them are just learning how to do a speech. Others are natural. But, you know, whatever you do, and, and sometimes I know I've walked by, we'll talk about how to get them. Um, I try to buy from everybody that comes to my door just because they put that effort in and they probably live in my neighborhood. I will be honest. I can't buy 18,000 boxes of Girl Scout cookies every year, so sometimes I have to walk by yes. a big box store booth sale and say, I'm sorry, I've already purchased from somebody else. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. The girls understand that. Yeah, they do. But, you know, let them at least ask you. And you know what? If you've got an extra 50 cents or a buck, throw it in their till because that goes right to their troop. Absolutely. So, you know, so Girl Scout cookie sale comes once a year. Today it starts. Now there's several different ways to get cookies. Mm -hmm. The good old-fashioned way, well, that doesn't really exist anymore. I used to go with my order card in January, and my pen would freeze, and I'd say, how many boxes of cookies do you want? And then I'd bring them back to them like six to eight weeks later. Mm -hmm. But now it's all point of purchase, right? Yes, Yes, pretty much. So when when the Girl Scout comes and knocks on your door, she'll have a variety of cookies there to sell you. And you'll get that instant gratification. Absolutely, yes. So you don't have to order and have them come back. So or can they, they still can. take orders? They can. Oh, not, they can. Not okay. every parent takes cookies ahead of time, um, but probably 90% do, and mm-hmm. because you sell them better when you have them right there with you. Yep. Okay. You can also order online. Each girl has an online account set up, which most parents have shared on Facebook, and you can click on a link and order there, pay for it, and then the girl delivers it to you. So it's kind of like a pre-order. And that was one of the things that I remember learning in Girl Scouts. It's not just taking the order because you haven't sold the box of cookies until you deliver, deliver the order. and get money. And so yeah. that's very important. So they, they may come to your door with cookies in hand. Mm-hmm. They may come to your door with an order sheet mm-hmm. in hand. You may be walking this weekend at Walmart or Target or Hy-Vee or mm-hmm. wherever, and you may see a booth set up. And certainly ask, what school are you from? What do you represent? What are Mm -hmm. you doing with your money? Um, You want the girls to practice answering those kinds of questions. This last month with my own personal troop, we go through and talk about what what people might ask you. And we practice it. And so they're all learning. A lot of shy girls. Um, So it's teaching them to look at an adult, have eye contact with an adult, because it's hard. And to count that money out and answer their questions because they want to know, what are you going to do with this money? Yes, that's the most important thing. And my other admonition is do not disparage the 15-year-old girl. She right. is not doesn't have her front teeth missing, and she's not in pigtails. <laughs> but, boy, she needs to sell cookies because she may be going to our chalet in Switzerland mm-hmm. or our cabana in Mexico, or she may be planning a trip to India, or she may be going on a high-adventure rope thing out in Wyoming, yeah. or she may be going to the Girl Scout Education Center in New York. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are big, lofty goals, and they need big, lofty money. Yeah. So don't just let cuteness be the only reason. <laughs> 
something <laughs> you buy. Um, you know, buy from all age groups, shall we say. So we can get them in front of big box retailers, mm-hmm. and you can find that in your local community. And most small towns will have some place where a retailer will allow them to set up. Some people set it up at their church. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there may be even your school may allow you to have a booth at a, at a school mm-hmm. fair. Who knows? It's all up to uh, individuals. And then, of course, you can order online. And if you don't know any Girl Scouts, you can actually just put your zip code in, right? Yes, you can go to our website, which is like the easiest website to remember. It's getyourgirlpower.org. And right there on the main page, there's a big purple button. And it says find cookies. You click on that. You put your zip code in. And it will tell you the closest booths to your zip code. So um, it could not be easier. Out and about. Mm-hmm. Carry cash. Yes. Well, cash. they can do. They can, they take, can take a check, but they can also take your credit card oh, right yeah. there now. Me? Oh, it's modern. It's We're modern. <laughs> we can take credit cards now. Oh, my Absolutely. Gosh, my golly. <laughs> I've been out of the game for a while. I need to get a troop. I tell you what, I need to get a troop. We yes, can set um, you up. I know. I like it. Very quick talking out loud. You know, it is interesting. My. How old is my How old is my last Girl Scout? I think she's thirty. She's thirty. Oh wow! So she was probably twelve, thirteen, fourteen, probably when she quit being a Girl Scout. So I mean, it's been a long time. But mm-hmm. don't look at me without look, look at Jill Butterfly I going. Know. I'm getting her. This I'm is how she. Her. This is how she gets everybody. <laughs> she gets everybody. She's very successful. I will say it is so much fun. <laughs> you will have so much fun. Uh, being a Girl Scout leader, because there's nothing like teaching them something new. The first time you do chicken on a string, you know, which (laughs) can or cannot be disastrous. Um, Always have non-perishable canned goods and a can opener available. I got to tell this story real quick. Uh, Took my brownies camping one year and um, could not get the fire started to save our lives. I mean, just, you know, and we're trying and trying and trying. And we're using every trick in the Girl Scout book Mm -hmm. and we cannot get this fire started. So it was time for the girls to go horseback riding, and um, so we sent them down, you know, on their merry way, and we're like, what are we going to do? And we went into the cabin, and we put it on the stove. (laughs) (laughs) And we picked up this big pot of brownie stew, and we made it on the stove. But in the meantime, we kept working on the fire. We finally got the fire going. It was probably enough to, you know, probably about four inches in diameter. (laughs) By the time the blazing fire, when the girls are singing, coming back over the hill, quack, run in the cabin, grab the Dutch oven, put it on that little fire. Put it on that little fire and stir it around. Look at it, it's bubbling and boiling. It doesn't take much of a fire to make a big thing of brownie stew. So, lying is acceptable in brownie (laughs) stew. And the other thing I did that was really cute one morning, I said, oh, girls, I forgot to bring anything for breakfast. We're going to be hungry. We'll have to go out and find our food in the woods. So I was telling them what wild berries looked like and that you could, you know, take dandelion and boil it down and make a tea and all this stuff. And we had this little educational seminar, and then we went out in the woods to search for our food. But I had gone out and put boxes of cereal and orange <laughs> juice and stuff along the trail. So that, that is so funny. They found their breakfast. funny. I bet you know, they were scared that. to death. But they learned a little bit about nuts and foraging, but yes. then they didn't actually have to go and make the dandelion wine. So, you know, or wine. Ooh, that's for the leaders. Uh, 
<laughs> well, the Girl Scout cookie sale starts today in Illinois. It starts on the 16th in Missouri and Iowa. And again, uh, different varieties on different sides of the river. Mm-hmm. And if you buy it from Illinois Girl Scouts, that money stays in Illinois. If you buy it from Missouri Girl Scouts, it stays in Missouri. If you want to bootleg across both things, we don't care. You can eat whatever varieties you want. <laughs> it all goes to a great cause. And uh, we'll be giving away boxes of Girl Scout cookies next week. Uh, on the morning show. So stay tuned for your chance to win a box of Girl Scout cookies. I want to thank uh, Jill Butterfield and Cindy Vilsack for coming here today, primarily just because of what you do. Mm-hmm. Having been a professional Girl Scout, uh, it is like taking the goals of an organization and then getting volunteers to meet those goals. Uh, for one paid Girl Scout executive, there are about a thousand or more adult men and women that you have to convince this is this is the program let's all go along with it you know and so the girl scout cookie sale is the largest girl-led fundraiser in the united states yeah and uh, one of the best things and hopefully a tradition that never dies so if you see a girl scout out and about please buy her girl scout cookies and encourage her to uh, meet her goals because her whole summer and her whole troop year is riding on this year's sale. Yes, yes. it is. Thank yes. you so very Thank much. You. Thank so you much so for much having for us. having us. We always have a great time with you. Uh, I'm not going to reveal how many boxes they brought because I'm giving them away next week, but if one just happens to fall into my <laughs> clutches, that will just be the way life goes. <laughs> Coming up, we're going to hear about the four chaplains, but first we're taking a break and heading up to the Earth of Farmers Cooperative to see what's happening in our farm markets today. I guess we're not going to have our farm market report today. Okay, that's fine. More time for David Lomax. What can I say? David Lomax joins me, and we're going to talk today about a commemoration for the four chaplains. Uh, This is going to be happening this Sunday at Palmyra's First Christian Church at Lane and Olive Streets in Palmyra. Sunday service at 11 a.m. The public is welcome. The Palmyra American Legion Post 174 is conducting this annual observance. And this year is the 81st anniversary of the sinking of the United States Army Transport Dorchester. And so, David, please tell us a little bit about the four chaplains and why um, not just the military, but everybody should remember their service, please. Well, the Legion uh, honors the four chaplains every year. Uh, Some posts have a commemoration, some do not. Hannibal and Hannibal and Palmyra will have observances. Uh, Canton and Quincy uh, are not this year. They they may next. Uh, but nationwide, probably half or more of the post will do so. Uh, during World War One, the United States government pressed into service uh, cargo ships, passenger liners, uh, basically any ship they could get to transport goods and personnel. And uh, on February third of get the right year. 81 years ago. 1943. 1943. uh, The Dorchester sailed out of uh, New York, headed for England with troops and equipment on board, and was torpedoed by a German U-boat and sank very rapidly. I believe it sank in less than a half an hour. Uh, Typical of the time, they were very overloaded, rushing, trying to get everything across there. And... uh, the U-boat was still around, so it was kind of dangerous for any other ship to approach. But the, uh, it was about 150 miles out of its base in Greenland, had 902 on board. Um, 
And these four chaplains, one was Jewish, one was Catholic, one was Dutch Reformed, one was Methodist, didn't matter. Uh, when the order was given to abandon ship, the chaplains pretty much took charge of getting the men calmed down, getting them to the lifeboats, getting them over the side, uh, making sure everybody was accounted for. And when they ran out of life jackets, they gave up their own to the men and put them over the side, got them, on, got them out of there. And as the ship sank, they were last seen uh, linked, you know, the story is linked arm in arm and um, singing and praying and exhorting the men to have heart as they went down. And the uh, country has honored them ever since. The four chaplains, you know, and it's just such a, a, a such a moving thing because, you know, we all believe in God. Most people believe in God. And it doesn't matter what, if you're Jewish, Catholic, Protestant, Muslim, Baha'i, you know, whatever. Um, there's a chaplain for you in the U.S. military. When you got to the Air Force Academy, you know, everybody has their own room or their own way that they can worship out there, showing that there is a wide variety of religious faith. And in our United States, we value religious freedom. And our government, uh, through its military, provides chaplains for the well-being. And what greater what greater gift than to give up your life for another? And these chaplains lived their their call to God's duty right till the end. I think we read that somewhere, didn't we? Yeah, I think that I think that might be a passage in the Bible. Even I, I'm not the most biblical scholar. I think I can get it halfway right. At least I can paraphrase it. So we always remember these four men, the four chaplains, because of their selflessness. Um, interestingly enough, like you said, they were loading this stuff and getting as many people crammed on as possible, but there weren't enough life jackets and there weren't enough lifeboats, were there? Correct. Even after the Titanic, we didn't learn our lessons. Well, they they gave up a lot of, uh, you know, it's a good thing OSHA wasn't around in 1940s or we would have had a fit. Uh, Yeah, there was a lot of things that were sacrificed for speed and expediency of battle. And uh, sometimes even the safety of our own troops and our own chaplains was one. Why does Palmyra American Legion Post 174 feel this is so important to do this? Because you guys have been doing this for a long time. Yeah, I've only been in the post uh, since 2013. Uh, One of the requirements is you have to be an honorably discharged veteran. And since I was still a drilling reservist up until then, uh, I was not in the post at that point. But it's been done ever since I've been there. And from what I understand, it's been a tradition, at least at that post, for a very long time. And so this is something that Palmyra does. It's been a tradition. Hannibal is doing it as well. Do you know when their celebration is? It is also Sunday at 11 o'clock. It's at New Hope Gospel Center at 1005 Lyon Street in Hannibal. I believe Lyndall Shoemake, former state representative, is a pastor there. Okay, 11 a.m. in Hannibal. Okay. So um, anyone is welcome. You don't have to be a member of that church. No, anybody and everybody. Uh, A couple of years ago, it was at Mission Hill Baptist, and people came came and filled the place up. Uh, It's been at First Baptist. It's been at St. Joseph Catholic Church. It rotates around. It rotates around just as these chaplains. It didn't matter. They did. They didn't care. You know, they didn't care. They were there to provide guidance. I mean, I think we all, I think we know more about chaplains from MASH, the TV show, with Father Mulcahy Very being a possibly. Catholic priest, but also doing a good Protestant service. He performed a bris on a Jewish baby one time. You know, he's, he did it all, you know, and that was it. It was just there to, to help uh, lift the spirits of, of service people. As a service person, you know, what is the role of the chaplain in the average service person's life? Well, 
uh, I went into the military at a, at a much older age. I always say most people are smarter than me. They enlist when they're 18 and retire when they're 40. They don't enlist when they're 36 and retire at 57. <laughs> but uh, the chaplain is a very important uh, person on the staff. When you've got, especially when you have young guys that are perhaps away from home for the first time, uh, they're not real sure what they're doing. They uh, may or may not have much religious faith. Uh, when my brother-in-law went into the army at 18, uh, he was just astonished to get. You know, he was a pastor's child, and to get halfway, get into boot camp and find out that there were there were literally people in his unit that had never heard of Jesus Christ, didn't have any idea who he was, what he did, and it's like really this was an eye opener. So the chaplain has to deal with. Uh, the preacher's kids that come through that already have a good grounding, they have to deal with uh, the guys and girls coming through that may know absolutely nothing. But uh, the old prison evangelist said, everybody's got this God-shaped hole in them, and they're going to you're going to put something in it. Don't matter, you know, it's going might be money, might be booze, might be drugs, but you're going to put something in it. And the God-shaped hole can best filled by God. Yes. You know, the old there are no atheists in foxholes. No. And. So much of what a chaplain is also trained to do is, is a lot of psychological training. Yeah, a lot because of there's a, there's a lot of fear at times. I mean, I imagine when this uh, U-boat torpedo, the Dorchester, uh, there was panic. There was fear. There was, you know, will I see my loved ones again? There was yes. wailing. There was crying out. Um, uh, we're not always at our best in these emergency situations and some kind of calming influence that steady on. You know, whatever happens, have faith that you're going to a, a, a reward. Hopefully you'll survive this. But if you don't, you know, now's your chance. Get right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, you're going down. You've got two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Make your act of contrition quickly. There so the go. chaplain is an important part of, of the U.S. military. I, I loved it. We had a, a chaplain, a military chaplain that was the priest at St. Peter's for a while that had been stationed here. And he would go back and forth between military duty and being here. And uh, he he told a great story about there's a part of a helicopter they call the Jesus nut. That's right. Because it holds everything together. Yeah, if, if the Jesus bolt lets go, you're going to meet him. If the Jesus <laughs> bolt lets go, you're going to meet him. So um, it is important that we um, honor these men and women, yes. chaplains, uh, that uh, sacrifice uh, and put themselves into military service so that they can serve those who are serving us, because we all serve in a different way. Everybody's got an assignment in the military, right? Yes, we do. And everybody has to know how to do everybody else's job, because the guy next to you might not be there in 10 minutes. You're right. Uh, yeah, it's the, you have to become, uh, watch, watch your back, watch your buddy's back, and learn his trade, because unfortunately he may not, may not be there. The Dorchester sunk February 3rd, 1943, Reverend George Fox a Methodist, Rabbi Alexander Good, a Jew, Reverend Clark Poling, Dutch Reformed, and Father John Washington, a Roman Catholic priest, comforted the wounded and directed others to safety and gave up their own life jackets when they ran out of life jackets on the boat. The men knew they were going to perish in those cold waters there in the North Greenland area, uh, and they went down knowing they gave up literally their life for their fellow man. What what greater example can we have? Only 
We know yeah. one guy that did it for everybody. Yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> he got to rise again. These poor guys, they got yeah. to get to heaven, but they didn't yeah, get to rise again. They'll rise again. <laughs> they'll rise again. So this is going to be on uh, Sunday at Palmyra First Christian Church at the corner of Lane and Olive Streets. It's the 11 a.m. service, the four chaplains day. The Palmyra American Legion Post will have uh, an observance. So there'll be a little pomp and ceremony, but, but most importantly, it's to remember these people and their sacrifice. Yeah, and our post-chaplain, Dale Elston, will speak on the, on the subject and pretty much discuss what we've talked about here. Right. Would you be willing to do it for somebody else? We'll put that burden on everybody. You yes. Know? I mean, it is interesting. In times of great, well, my dad always used to say, it's easy to have good character until there's well, a crisis. Then when the crisis you know, comes, that's when character is revealed. Uh, maybe not born, but that's when characters revealed. So let's hope and think, what would I do if I was in that situation? Thank you so much for coming. Anything else for the good of the cause? Yeah, uh, since it's Black History Month, I've had something else involved at Dorchester that okay. might be interesting. Uh, Coast Guard Cutter Comanche ignored the danger. You know, that U-boat that sunk this guy is still around. And he came in to pick, him, pick up survivors that were in the water. They lowered a cargo net. But by that time, a lot of the guys in the water were too weak and cold to climb up. And there was a black man, steward's mate, first class, Charles Walter David Jr. He's 26, came from New York. He jumped into the boats and started hauling people up the net into the uh, ship. Uh, in the course of that rescue, the, uh, the ship's XO, Lieutenant Langford Anderson, fell off the rail and fell into the water. Uh, seaman or Petty Officer David dove in back into the water, rescued him, brought him to the net, and brought him up. Uh, came up the net himself finally, and one of his friends who had gone down to help people up, storekeeper first class Dick Swanson, could only get halfway up and he was just exhausted. The water temperature was about 40 degrees. And he, oh, come on, Swanee, you can make it, get on up here. So Petty Officer David goes down the net again and brings him up. And then uh, Petty Officer David himself died of pneumonia at a hospital in Greenland from the hypothermia. Um, so despite the secondary status and a segregated service at the time, Charles Walter David Jr. placed the needs of others before his own. He was posthumously awarded the Navy Marine Corps Medal in 99, the Immortal Chaplain's Prize for Humanity. In 2013, the Coast Guard named a Sentinel-class fast response quarter, the Charles Walter David Jr. in honor of him. Wow, that's great. And that's a lesson for not only Black History Month, but American History Month. Yeah. It uh, doesn't matter what color we are, what color you are out there. We're all going to be in it together. Thank you so much. David Lomax with the Palmyra American Legion.